Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. All right, welcome back into another FizzCast, everyone. Jaron May here, this time with Ian Unsworth, and we are breaking down numbers 60 to 51 on our SU Top 100 list. Thank you all so much for tuning back in. Make sure you go follow all of our social media content on Twitter, at OrangeFizz. Find all of our articles for the SU Top 100 at our website, orangefizz.net. And of course, be listening to all of our FizzCasts as we break down the list and kind of give you our individual opinions by searching Orange Fizz on SoundCloud. Now that that's all out of the way, Ian, though, let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about 60 to 51 and let's start at number 60, Tom Marichek, the lacrosse player, the the nickname Hollywood because he was just so creative, so energizing, so awesome to watch um, while he was at Syracuse in the 80s. Comes in at number 60. Do you think this is a good ranking for him? I think he could be a bit higher, Jaron. I mean, it's crazy that a guy comes in and stars with people like Paul and Gary Gate already on the field. He comes in and makes the team even better after that 1988 season. And then they just absolutely rampage to a championship. I mean, 46 goals in a freshman season? That, that's, yeah, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and he he also has the national championships to go to go with him. So that helps. You have the individual accolade, the individual stats, the individual accolades as well. I mean, he has plenty of all this, all that, wherever you want to look, um, whatever publication you want to look at. He obviously has all of those. Um, and then he has the postseason wins as well. So like when you look at his resume, it's pretty spotless. And the thing is, a lot a lot of these men's lacrosse players, especially back in the Gate and Powell era, back in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, um, all of the men's lacrosse players have those type of accolades. There are so many amazing players, and that's why it's so difficult to rank specifically the men's lacrosse players, at least in my opinion, because when you score... 212 points and someone else scores 218 you're kind of splitting hairs here and they all have pretty much the same accolades they're all all americans like it's kind of difficult to rank all of them but i think you're right tom marichek is absolutely fantastic and if he was higher on this list i would not complain if he was lower i probably would i think 60 is like that line that you need to have a cutoff because if he was any lower on this list there would definitely be some complaints at least for me absolutely uh two national championships like a 52 and 6 career record that's just one of those things that winning cons- like winning consistently when i was ranking guys like having winning seasons was huge for just in my perspective because okay. not only right. not only you know are you really contributing as an individual but your team is successful as well it's one of those things where you have to win to get noticed i guess in a sense uh but yeah. i like Marichek is just one of those dudes that you know stands stands out statistically as you said uh so my question for you do you think paul gates issue with the car loan has any sort of effect on Marichek's ranking <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I don't. I absolutely do not. Um, because I didn't even remember when I, at least when I was uh, ranking this, I didn't even think about that. That's a good. That's a good reference right there. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think that comes into play. It's a shame because it's one of those things that's it's a stain on Syracuse lacrosse history. But it's it's just so like out there, and it seems ridiculous now looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really, I I'm I'm ranking these players as individuals and what they do on on the field and their field performance. I don't really care about any of those other things, unless of course you're I don't know someone that messes up in the classroom and that is what like uh, takes away wins or whatever it may be. But uh, no, I, I I don't really think about that. All right. Well, speaking of on the field accomplishments, Jaron. Our next athlete at 59, Kayla Trainer, women's lacrosse player. She has oh a ton of them. First team All-American every year at Syracuse. All-ACC tournament. All-NCAA tournament. Three-year finalist for the Tawaraton. Conference Offensive Player of the Year. Tournament Player of the Year. Most goals in a Syracuse season with 79. So we went from 46 goals to like 79. Jeez, Kayla Trainer, just an absolute offensive weapon and someone who I think deserves the 59 ranking and could probably go a bit higher. Could probably? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let me, let me break this down for you. I, number one, am a huge women's lax uh, fan for Syracuse, and I've said that before on these FizzCasts. Uh, number two... When you look at the Syracuse women's lacrosse program, I think that their players, at least on this list, not when I filled out my my uh, submission, but at least on our final list, I think they are greatly underappreciated. And number three, Kayla Trainer is hands down the best women's lacrosse player in program history. I will not hear any other arguments. Liz Hogan, the best goalie, but she's not the best individual player. Uh, Katie Rowan is also fantastic and obviously the the leader in career points and career goals. I get that in SU program history. I get all that. But Kayla Trainer was the most talented and the best player to to step on the field for SU women's lacrosse. And I think... I know we had this. We had a discussion as a staff. Um, I think it was yesterday when we talked about how a couple of the players we might want to rearrange before we get to their rankings, and we did that. I think Kayla Trainer is hands down the worst ranking on, like the biggest botch on this entire list. Fifty nine for her. If you are, let's let, let me put this into a football. And I know I'm rambling here, but let me put this into a football uh, conversation for you. If we had, if Syracuse had a football player that was a three-time Heisman finalist, Ian, would you put them higher than fifty-nine? I mean, I think you'd have to. You'd have to, even exactly. if they didn't win the award. That's greatness year after year after year. Three times for the Heisman is the same thing as three times for the Tawaraton. The Tawaraton is the Heisman of lacrosse. That's the MVP, no matter your position, no matter your school, no matter whatever. Like, it's the MVP of college women's lacrosse. So she was a three-time finalist. That means you're a three-time finalist for the Heisman, basically, of your sport. 
and you get put at 59, I think that's just... And Kayla, if you're listening to us, like, I'm sorry. I, I, I would like to apologize. 59 is just so much disrespect to put on your name, and I apologize because you are absolutely fantastic on the on the field, and it's it's just a crime, at least in my opinion. I, I, know, I know I've been going off, but it's just... It's, it's ridiculous in, in my head. Well, Jaron, after listening <laughs> listening to that impassioned argument, I have to agree with you. It just it seems ridiculous. I mean, I think people who haven't watched enough women's lacrosse are just missing out because this this is just true greatness on the lacrosse field. Uh, for people who are maybe current Syracuse students or who haven't watched a lot of Syracuse lacrosse in the past, uh, what was trainer's play style? How did like how did I she mean, compare to like an Emily Harris Chuck if if we're gonna make that sort of comparison? So Harris Chuck kind of used more, and she still does because she's a current player. Um, she she uses more of her strengths because she's more of a um, bigger player out there and can kind of bully people on the inside. But she's also very crafty with the stick. Kayla Trainer was a little thinner was a little uh faster and could use her agility just to dodge past defenders um she was also one of those and i'm not sure if um everyone listening will get this reference but she was kind of a nicole levy type player if you want to put it into more of a current sense because levy was very crafty and was kind of like a box player for lacrosse where she would go behind the back would try to finish um underhanded would try to do these really intricate moves at the doorstep and just get really creative with their moves that was Kayla Trainer too so she was extremely fast could dodge from the outside could finish on the inside with a handful a plethora of finishes um and then she also was a very above average if not great uh ball distributor and passer so she could she could do pretty much everything that you needed on the offensive side of the ball, and that's why, at least again, in my opinion, I think fifty nine uh, for Kayla Trainer is is kind of a robbery. But we'll keep moving because I'm a little heated, and let's uh, let's kind of slow it down here. Number fifty eight on our SU top one hundred list, Walter Sweeney, um, the Syracuse football player. He makes the list, and he played from nineteen sixty 1960 to nineteen sixty two. Was one of the Guys responsible for clearing the way for Ernie Davis was uh, kind of just the big guy up front, and Ernie Davis was only so great because of Walter Sweeney. Absolutely, and I mean, when you look at the look at the accomplishments list, Syracuse won a bowl. Who would like? Who would have thought Syracuse was winning bowls back in 1961? 221 yards rushing for for you know the 1960s when everybody ran the ball all the time pretty darn impressive and when you look at it past the Syracuse career 181 straight games never missing a regular season game that's pretty darn impressive I mean besides the whole performance enhancing drugs thing and that that, that's kind of that's a little tough to stomach I'm not gonna lie but uh, a first round draft pick how many of those has Syracuse had so even though Walter Sweeney might be a guy that falls by the wayside when looking back at the past of Syracuse football just because of how far back he was and because of Ernie Davis and the big names that come along with Syracuse football greats of old. Uh, I think Sweeney is probably a smart ranking at 58. 
the thing is, at 58, I think he's a little high. Because when you look at some of the other players that we're going to be talking about, or some of the players that we already have talked about um, on these FizzCasts that you can find on our SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz, little plug right there, I don't think that Walter Sweeney deserves... To be let's let's just only talk about the football players. I don't think he deserves to be Andre before Andre Cisco, and I know that's a maybe recency bias, but I think that Andre Cisco is a better talent and at the end of the day is going to have a better SU career than Walter Sweeney. Well, it's really tough because we don't have any sort of stats. Uh, Tyler Aki says it in his article. You know, Pro Football Focus was not around. We don't know how good Walter Sweeney really was because we haven't watched him play. We That's true. And there's just, as you said, the recency bias is, is there. So, I mean, Cisco is a great player. He's, I think he's going to be first team all American if football happens this year. And he's going to be a first round draft pick just like Walter Sweeney was. But at the same, at the same time, the game was so much different back then that Sure, maybe a like a offensive lineman like Sweeney could have the, you know, the crazy impact on a football game that a DB like Cisco can have today. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just biased against offensive linemen, but like, if Aaron Service has a couple pancakes in a game, like, do you really want to put him in like the top athletes of SU history? Like, I. And I know that's that's comparing apples with oranges because Walter Sweeney or Aaron Service isn't up to Walter Sweeney's legacy. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't. I just don't think that those kind of those players. And I'm sorry, offensive line, but I just don't think that they kind of garnish the legacy that um, or, or the, the fame that kind of goes along with making the SU top 100 list. Well, one thing Gil Gross said to me is it's partially about your after Syracuse accomplishments. Like, what do you do? He in, was big what on do you, that. Yeah, what do you do in the pros? And uh, Jaron, our next guy on the list is still in the pros, and he's made a lot of noise while there. Dion Waiters comes in yeah. at number 57, now known as Philly Cheese, balling for the Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> in the NBA bubble. And crazy enough, Wall at Syracuse never started a game. Played every single yeah. one as the sixth man coming off the bench. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was like the epitome of a of a sixth man, and I like you said, he he's Philly cheese now in the NBA bubble. Uh, but back in Syracuse, and I never knew this until I did some research. His nickname was Kobe Wade because he said that his game was a mix between uh, Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade. It's not really a creative nickname. I just gotta I gotta throw that out there. That's pretty boring. Um, but Dion Waiters at fifty seven, sure. I mean, I don't really have a strong opinion whether it should be higher or lower. Um, when you bring into the the conversation the Gill argument where he says your after Syracuse career matters, um, then you kind of have a double-edged sword because there's one side that says he made it to the league, he was a top pick, uh, he has had some pretty good seasons, but then this past year he's dealt with some drug issues, uh, he got cut from Miami, which ultimately led him to L.A. Uh, because they had to pick up a couple people for the bubble, it's not like they were actively seeking him out right when he became a free agent. So when you when you talk about that, I don't really know if that helps him 
because at least recently it's kind of tarnished his legacy. But when you look at Syracuse, you're right. I mean, the epitome of a sixth man was not upset that he started on the bench, made the most of his opportunities when he came off. Uh, it was a big player um, in some of the big games for them down the stretch, especially in the postseason. Um, some of his accolades, just to throw them out there, all Big East honors, was named the Big East Sixth Man of the Year, uh, made it to the Elite Eight his sophomore year. Like he, he definitely has the accolades to make it on this list, to make it in the 50s. I think that's fine. I don't really have a strong opinion for him to be either higher or lower. Yeah, I agree. I think 57 is a pretty accurate rating for Dion yeah. Waiters. Uh, he started behind, well, he played behind Scoop Jardine, one guy I was surprised that did not make this list. Uh, I mean, just growing up a Syracuse basketball fan, that was a guy I always looked up to and admired. But yeah, Dion Waiters, uh, Jaron, I mean, even though I have strong opinions about Waiters as, as an NBA player, I, I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I, I'm not sure if Waiters really deserves to go any higher on this list. He stayed for two years. And it's like Syracuse didn't win a national championship because of Dion Waiters, so uh, I I don't I don't really I don't no. really know if there's any if he deserves any more credit than this. Like here's here's my question. And Tyler Ennis came in at 66 on our SU top 100 list. Um, he of he he was only with the Orange for one year, but he had better stats mm. in that one year than Dion Waiters. So do you give Dion Waiters the sixth man that didn't start that had pretty good stats? I'm not taking anything away from him um, for two years, or would you rather have Tyler Ennis's amazing freshman season uh, just for one year? That's tough. Honestly, I I take Tyler Ennis. I mean because. If you look at a Kobe Wade here, he, you know every once in a while he'd jack up some <laughs> he'd jack up some shots. He'd do something boneheaded. Tyler Ennis just seemed to me like every time he had the ball on the court, he was in control and he knew what he was doing. He had no fear to take the big shots. I mean, Dion Waiters obviously doesn't have fear, but I'm not sure if those big shots that he's taking are ones that I'm always okay with. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so Dion at 57. Again, the reason why we're having some of these debates for all of our listeners, we each, as as the Fizz staff, filled out our own kind of uh, assignments and bracket and filled out 1 to 100. Then we all pooled our, our uh, answers together, averaged it all out, and this is how we have our SU Top 100 list. You can find on our website, orangefizz.net. Follow us on Twitter, at orangefizz, and find all of our audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. Uh, Ian, let's move on to number 56. At, uh, excuse me, Eric Devendorf coming in. Devo, I mean, we just watched him pretty recently um, in the TBT for Bayheim's Army. He's He seems like he's as good as he was in college currently, which is... Something amazing because it's been quite a while since he played. Um, my biggest memory of him, and I think this was put in the article on our orangefizz.net by Gil Gross. Uh, my biggest memory is that whole six overtime win against uh, UConn. That was just absolutely fantastic. One of the craziest shots in Syracuse history, and it, it didn't even count. Oof, what a letdown that was, but... Won the game overall, and I mean, Devo's been great in the postseason. Uh, in that Big East tournament, 84 points in four games. Jeez. 
Uh, even though Syracuse lost yeah. that one to Louisville, I mean, he's white hot. And it seems like he's just a walking bucket no matter where he goes. I mean, yeah. Europe, TBT, couple year or two in the NBA. And, like, I don't. I, there's something just so silky about his game. He can get shots whenever he wants to. It's, it's crazy that he still has the skill, like you said, Jaron. Like, he was awesome yeah. in TBT. Syracuse, honestly, Syracuse is only real scorer in that tournament yeah i mean double digit scoring in all four years at syracuse he's uh one of the members of the 1000 point club he's ranks 14th in su all-time points list he averaged uh 16 points per game three assists per game throughout his uh junior campaign so he was fantastic he really was um and he also my thing is he embodies syracuse basketball and that's why, and maybe that's a bias that people didn't bring into account. I don't even think I did. I think I'm just now thinking of this. But because he kind of embodies the central New York area, the Syracuse basketball program, still represents them in TBT, still is an advocate for uh, the program and trying to teach younger kids in the CNY area basketball. And he, he kind of does those videos, at least in quarantine, to teach them skills and drills that they can be doing at home. I feel like that kind of should give him a little bump. So at 56, as a talent perspective, I think that's okay. I think that's an okay uh, ranking for him. But when you bring in his whole, just what he means to CNY, he could be a little higher. And that just is kind of a difference of opinions. Do you want to take in a, into account the CNY argument, or do you just want to evaluate him as a basketball player? Well, hmm, that, that's a tough one. I could definitely see moving him up a couple spots because of just the passion that he has for Syracuse basketball. And as you said, the continued coaching, he was working with Buddy Beheim and, uh, yeah. over this offseason. Like that's something yeah, he bleeds that, orange. Yeah, that's something you would not see from any former player just coming back and coaching up Beheim's son. But it's it's awesome to have, and you know, Buddy needs to work on his ball handling. So hey, it's great, and yeah, I would s- totally support moving him up a couple spots. But as yeah, as a basketball player, as a talent perspective, if Waiters is at fifty seven, yeah, Devo fits pretty well at fifty six. Right. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. So. Our next guy, uh, Bill Smith. Uh, we're bringing it back here, folks. Bill Smith, <laughs> a center from 1968 to 1970. And uh, in those years, averaged 19, 20, and 22 points a game in those three seasons. Shot over 60% from the field. And uh, averaged double-digit rebounds as well. So... Three years of double doubles for Bill Smith back in you know the old days when it was a bunch of short dudes running around. Yeah, I mean he was kind of like a when you when you just look at his pure height and size, six foot eleven. Uh, back then was kind of like just a, a giant, a man amongst boys, I guess. And that's why he, for his career, averaged a double-double. Like you said, 21 points per game, 13 rebounds per game. If you have someone that does that in today's age. Like that's an automatic first round, probably uh, lottery draft pick. That's going to be the best Syracuse big man that we've had in quite some time. If you're able to do that, because when you look at at least recently, Syracuse doesn't have a true big man. Yeah, we a, could a true see- center. They, they're they're just they're all just horrible. Yeah, SU could definitely use some help inside. Hopefully, it's Frank Anselm. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for him. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, but uh, back to Bill Smith. So obviously, he's fantastic. There was one time as his, as a freshman, he had 34 rebounds in one game. Like sometimes Syracuse basketball as a team doesn't have 34 rebounds in a game currently. So that like that just proves how great he was. Now the thing is, and you have to take into account for his ranking, and you say, okay, if he's this great, like why isn't he higher on the list? Well. Because, number one, his team didn't really have the postseason accolades like some of the recent players that were, or some of the players that we're going to talk about um, in upcoming FizzCasts are. And also, you have to think about the era that he was playing in, and that's what you alluded to before. 6'11 was crazy back then, and it was just a different game compared to what it is now. So if Bill Smith, you implement him into into today's game, he's not going to have that same production. He's not going to be as great of a player. So at least when I was filling it out, I had to think about, all right, like he was great. He was absolutely fantastic. He deserves to be on this list. He deserves to be midway on this list. I just don't think he deserves to be any higher than 55. If you bounced him into like the mid-60s, I also would have been okay with that. Uh, but I think 55 is an okay spot for him. If not, you want to bounce him down a little bit, I would also be okay. Absolutely. And one other stand on his career, Bill Smith was the original Marvin Graves. Uh, Jaron, if you recall <laughs> that brawl in 1991 where yep. Syracuse... Horrible yeah, temper. Horrible. Yeah, he punched a guy in Morgantown, actually punched a referee in Morgantown, fans stormed the court. There was a whole melee. He pretty much just called the, they called the game off and West Virginia won. And Bill Smith was suspended for the rest of his junior season. Syracuse lost three of those five games. Three of the five, yeah. Yeah, just so that's, that's a tough situation. Yeah, I mean, if you do that, you got to be able to uh, – have some type of redeeming quality, some something. And I mean, that just, that, that does hurt. You're right. Um, it, it's kind of like today's day, you have all of our big men, all of Syracuse's big men uh, fouling out just because they make mental mistakes. Back then it was Bill Smith fouling out just because he had a hot temper and wanted to punch people or uh, whatever it may be. But Bill Smith coming in at 55, coming in at 54. Rob Burnett, the defensive lineman for Syracuse football. He played from 1987 to 1989. He's a member of SU's all-century team. He was a three-time All-American Second most sacks in a game. He had four against Pitt, which is crazy. And he's also eighth in career sacks with 18 to his name um, for his SU career. Obviously, he went on to have a great NFL career, uh, made it to a made it to a Super Bowl, made it to a Pro Bowl. He was definitely a, a great player in Syracuse football history. Does he deserve to be or should he be at 54? That's where I start to question it. But Ian, I'll let you take the take the floor. Well, Jaron, I actually knew about Rob Burnett before I even knew he went to Syracuse. I was really, yeah, I was. I went back as a young kid and watched that Baltimore Ravens game, and I was like, "Hey, who right. this dude had ten and a half sacks this year? He must be good." And then later on, I did a little research and said, "Wow, this guy was not only on this Ravens team, but he was on this undefeated Syracuse football team. Who knew Syracuse was so mm-hmm. good at football back in the '80s?" But <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty cool discovery for me. And also, I mean, Burnett's whole defensive line was dominant in 1987, along with uh, future pros, like guys like Ted Gregory. Opponents only rushed for three yards a carry. 1987, 
still a run-dominated game. Of course, not as run-dominated as the Walter Sweeney era, but people still put it on the ground a lot. So the fact that people were rushing for three yards a carry, and then Burnett was also just casually getting to the quarterback, pretty darn impressive. Also keeping in mind the fact that he was a D-tackle. This is back in the time when Syracuse played a 3-4. So he was responsible mostly for stopping the run, filling those gaps inside. But, oh yeah, just a four-sack four game, extremely casual for Rob Burnett. Okay, so my question for you is, do you think uh, 54 is a good a good spot for Rob? Mm, that's tough, because I, did, I wrote this article on him on the Fizz website, and... Yeah, I mean, he definitely did a lot to earn his spot because he's playing with so many great, playing alongside so many great players. Someone could have easily started over him. So he obviously put the work in as a Syracuse athlete and had a great pro career, which is something I have to account. But at the same time, yeah, I could see him being moved back just a little bit. I mean, that's, that's what I'm getting from your vibe, that you think he's a bit too high and yeah there are some guys that I could see him uh falling behind I mean I'm not sure if the Cisco argument really works but yeah I could see some other football players maybe Ryan Nassib moving up Eh, that's that's tough for me to say but yeah I could I could see where Burnett's an argument for Burnett could go either way Okay. I mean, I wouldn't put Andre Sisko above Burnett. That that I would not do. Um, I think he deserves to be above Andre Sisko. I think, sure, you could make an argument, Ryan Nassib, Rob Burnett, whatever. I don't think he just... I, I just don't think 54. Like, And maybe this is... I, I still am a little heated because the whole Kayla Trainer and Tom Merchek, uh, those two should not be below, at least in my opinion, Rob Burnett. So... Uh, 54 for him might be okay if there were some other changes for the players behind him, but uh, there's also so many great players that we're going to get to down this list in the SU Top 100 that also deserve to be there. So it's, again, it's kind of splitting hairs with all of these great players. It's who do you think, and it's also a lot of personal preference, why does this player deserve to be in front of this player, and what's your reasoning for that? So I won't knock anybody for putting Burnett at 54, uh, but yeah, I, I, that, that's that's really all I have for him. Uh, next guy, well, I think he definitely deserves to be at 53. I think he could go higher. Uh, T-Bucky Jones, former Syracuse tailback and safety. And that is where, yeah. right, like right off the bat, two positions. Two positions, I think you got to move him up for that. And uh, Syracuse, three seasons at tailback before making the transition to safety. Just, uh, yeah, who does that anymore? And then to be an NFL draft pick in the first round and be an amazing safety for the Patriots out of all organizations? I mean, I have no, I think this is, I think T. Bucky Jones is brutally underrated on this list because of the positional versatility he showed. And he had great stats as both a running back and a safety. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, I mean, he had he had four interceptions his senior year as a defensive back, which, yeah, that's good. I mean, if you can have four INTs, I think it was seven pass breakups. Like, that, those are good stats as a defensive back. And that's really where I'm going to give him his most credit because he made that switch, and in the one year he made that switch, he was instantly good. 
But as a running back, he was not good. He just really wasn't. He had five, I think he had eight turnover, or I'm sorry, eight touchdowns over three seasons and only 500 rushing yards in three seasons. So when you think about it, if someone put in eight touchdowns and 500 rushing yards in one year, you'd be like, okay, that's average. That's not great, but that's pretty good. Like, I would take that. Um, you would obviously want a little more actual yardage instead of the the eight touchdowns, I mean, is fantastic, but the 500 yards in one year was like, eh, right? Like, it's it's kind of just like the Syracuse backs that, that they currently have with Abdul Adams rushing for like 450 or 450, 500 yards-ish. Like, that's an okay running back. That's not a fantastic running back, but to do all of, to do just eight touchdowns and 500 rushing yards in three years, that's not good. So I'm not going to give to Bucky Jones any credit for his running back days. Why he deserves to be on this list is because solely solely because he was great in that one year and he was able to make that switch so quickly. That's why I think to Bucky Jones at 53 is is an okay ranking. I even had him higher or rather lower on my list. I think I had him in the 70s uh, because Again, three out of your four years, you just weren't that great. Yeah, but I, I can't get over the positional switch. That's something that, I mean, you see as maybe a freshman or a sophomore, and it's it's never from running back to safety. It's from offensive line to defensive line. Maybe a linebacker plays tight end, but those are positions where you're not really that involved in the flow of a, of a football game. I mean... Well, as an offensive, you're involved, but it's not super complicated. Like safety, it's a lot of different coverages. It's recognizing stuff as it's going on right out of the backfield, reading the quarterback's eyes. And I mean, four interceptions is is nothing to scoff at. That is yeah. impressive. Yeah, no, no, no. That is very impressive. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from his his senior year as a defensive back. I'm really not. I think that was great. And again, that's where I'm giving him his most credit. But if you put in, and this is basically how, at least in my uh, my submission when I ranked all these players, I looked at it as he was a one-year player that had a great one year. But he he only had that one year because the other three years he was just bad. He, he, he like, objectively was not good. Um, so... Then I have the conversation. I'll bring up Andre Cisco. Cisco again. I think Andre Cisco. In if you just take one of his seasons so far, I think he was better than Tabucky Jones, and that's why, at least in my ranking, I had Andre Cisco above Tabucky Jones. Because again, I just don't take into account his running back years because he didn't do anything. He really did not do much. Yeah, despite the stats, I'm the positional switch thing is going to stick with me. No, no matter yeah. like no matter what happens, I like. It's it's sure. real impressive, and it just shows how much of an athlete he was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I'll I'll give that to you. I'll give that to you. That's that's where we can agree. This the switching of the of the position was is is a difficult thing to do, and then also to be successful with it again is very impressive. So to Bucky Jones coming in at fifty three, um, at fifty two, Aton Thomas, the center from nineteen sixty to two thousand, um, he was basically the best defensive center in my opinion that Syracuse basketball has ever had um and when you look at the stats it also backs it up let me just read them out 11 points per game that's okay seven rebounds per game again okay and these are his career stats but really where he thrived was he was 
extremely consistent when he shot 60% from the uh, from the field and then 3.5 blocks per game. Like that's as a, as a career. He also had uh, four blocks per game his senior year. He ranks first in SU career blocks with 424. That's 97 more than the person in second place, which is like that's that's just very difficult to actually comprehend how you have that many blocks. And then he was the first player to win Big East Defensive Player of the Year, and he did it twice. He went back-to-back his junior and senior year. He's also blocked nine shots in three games. Like, three different times, he blocked shots nine times. So that's, like, when when you just look at the numbers, it, it kind of astounds you. And at 52, I think it's kind of underrating him as a defensive player. As an offensive player, he didn't really provide too much. Um, but just from his defensive prowess, I think Etan Thomas needs to be higher on this list. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, Jared, when you were reading off all those stats, I just thought, man, wouldn't it be nice to have him now? <laughs> that that was the <laughs> first thing that popped into my head because, geez, at Syracuse, Syracuse seems like they're made of cheese in the middle sometimes. But, I yeah, I'd agree. Thomas could definitely move up some spots on this list. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it, but there there are some names that he could come across. I mean. Thomas and our our next guy, who I'm not I'm not going to reveal just yet, but that those two could have a have a little battle to make it up to 50. Uh, but yeah, 138 blocked shots is is crazy. And in three years too, he didn't start his freshman year and didn't play that much, but still managed 48 blocked shots. And as a freshman, averaging let's see, n- not not that not that many minutes. Uh, I would say probably about 10 to 12 minutes a game. I mean, just a player that makes an impact on both ends, but I mean, it's it's amazing how dominant he was on the defensive end. Yeah, just an absolute freak defensively. Absolutely deserves to be on this list. Went twent, uh, went twelfth overall by the Mav. Uh, the Mavs took him in two thousand. So he was a great player. He defensively, I think, is the best player in SU, at least for big men, is the best player in SU history. You can make an argument for a couple other guys. I'm going to stick with Thomas. Um, and at 52, I think that's underrating him just a little bit. But uh, let's move on and let's wrap up this Vizcast. Who do you have at 51? 51, uh, I, I just love the local guys. We mentioned Devo has that sort of passion, I guess, for yep. like Central New York. And it just it reciprocates both ways. Well, Brandon Trish, I mean, at 51, man, I grew up watching this guy and just absolutely fell in love with the way Brandon Trish played the game of basketball. I mean, all four-year starter, right out of Jamesville DeWitt, and every single every single time I saw him on the floor, it seemed like Brandon Trish was doing something right. Uh, I, I mean, even though his teams his teams were great and he never seemed to be the star. Every time I saw Brandon Trish out on the basketball court, I loved what he was doing. Uh, yeah, I started every game in his Syracuse career, 120 games total. Uh, pretty much averaged around 10 points all in all of his four years. Eight his freshman year, uh, 13 in his senior year, which was a career high. Shot a pretty, I mean, he was consistent. 42% from the field from his sophomore to senior seasons. And he did have some like great scoring games. 29 against Seton Hall. I mean, 
even though Brandon Trish never, I guess he was never really the superstar of a Syracuse team, he, he always played the game the right way, and he was someone I loved to watch, and I kind of idolized him as a young player. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Trish, I think his best redeeming quality is that he was just so consistent. Like you said, he started every single game. Uh, he is first in the SE record books for career games and career starts with 147. Um, he's also a part of the 1,000-point club. He ranks 18th in career points. So, And that's obviously because he was there just for so long. And if you're there for so long, you're going to move up that list. It was a Big East all-rookie team, a Big East third team team. Um, and that's kind of where it gets me because Brandon Trish was a great player, but he was also on a team that was very guard heavy. And for all four of his years, he was battling with different guards, whether it be uh, Michael Carter-Williams, Scoop Jardine. There was just a litany of players that kind of were in his way that he was battling with, that he would always start over. Uh, but would he touch the ball as much? Would he have to go to the bench sooner? And that's kind of where I question if he should be above some of the other men's basketball players that we currently have on this list. Because yes, he was very consistent. He also has the postseason accolades because he made it to a Sweet 16, he made it to a, a, an Elite 8, and he made it to a Final Four. So all of those things are great, but as an individual player... He just wasn't the most talented and impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm really trying to take personal bias out, but it's tough because I, I love this <laughs> dude as a little kid. So if we're talking about individual statistics, I guess sort of the team accomplishments, Jaron, would you take a guy like Tyus Battle and move him up or at least have no. him closer to Brandon Trish? Because... I mean, no. that's an individual accomplishment. Are we taking Tyler Ennis and moving him up to where Brandon yes. Trish is? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I think Tyus Battle is extremely um, overdone, and I think that he's overrated is the word that I was looking for. Uh, I don't think that he deserves to be where he is on this list. Um, he comes in at 75. I just wanted to check that. Uh, I don't think Tyus Battle is better than Brandon Trish solely because Brandon Trish was like not as ball dominant as Tyler uh, as Tyus Battle, but he also was just more consistent. And again, he was the guy for he was consistent for four years. But I would take Tyler Ennis. I would because I think Tyler Ennis is a better uh, player, and I think that he even though he wasn't there for as long, he just was. He had a more impressive SU career because I, at least in my opinion, I weight stats more than games started and games played. Because if Tyler Ennis stood like stuck around, or uh, he would be, he would have the same amount of games played. He would start just as many games as Brandon Trish, and he would have better stats. So when you think about it in that way you got to give it to the guy that's more talented and a better basketball player. So I think Tyler Ennis deserves to be above Brandon Trish. I get why Brandon Trish is at 51. I just don't think that. And again, I would even put Devo above Brandon Trish. Like I'm just, I'm looking at our list right now. I would put a lot of people above Brandon Trish and that's no disrespect to him because again, he was consistent. I just don't think that he deserves to be at 51. 
it, it, I guess it's got to be that childhood bias that I'm talking about because, I mean, a lot of our staffers grew up maybe a couple of years older, you know, born a couple of years before me. Uh, I think I've, I might be the youngest staff member, actually, but that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, I think Brandon Trish has a special place in the heart of a ton of Syracuse fans, so I'm not sure if Fizz Nation or SU Nation might give us any flack for having him at 51, but yeah, your argument definitely holds some weight there. Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, well, that's going to wrap it up for this FizzCast. We just broke down 60 to 51, and let's just run through it really quick. 60, Tom Marichek. 59, Kayla Trainer. That is, again, I would just like to throw that out there. That's a horrible ranking for her, and I'm sorry. Uh, 58, Walter Sweeney coming in at 57. Dion Waiters. Uh, Philly Cheesesteak, as he is now known for some reason. Eric Dievendorf coming in at 56. Bill Smith at 55. Rob Burnett, 54. 53 goes to Bucky Jones, 52 Aton Thomas, and 51 wrapping up this FizzCast is Brandon Trish. So that's numbers 60 to 51. We still have 50 more players to go. We're only halfway through. Thank you all so much for tuning in for another SU Top 100 FizzCast. Make sure you go follow along on our social media pages on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Follow our articles on our website, orangefizz.net, and find all of our FizzCast and audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. That's going to do it for this one. Jared May and Ian Unsworth signing off. We'll see you next time.